This show was made at Access Radio Taranaki in New Plymouth, thanks to New Zealand On Air. For more local content, search for accessradiotaranaki.com. You're listening to the Sugarloafing Arts Cast on Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM. Komikaela Naimen Tokuingua. My name is Michaela Naimen and I'm your host. Welcome. This show focuses on the arts and creativity in Taranaki and beyond. We aim to cover the diversity of arts from painting, literature, songwriting, theatre, pottery, poetry, sculpture, and how the creative arts contribute to our community as well as our own sense of purpose and well-being. The Sugarloafing Artscast is generously supported by the Govet Brewster Art Gallery and Len Lai Centre. Stay tuned to find out more. Every once in a while, an opportunity too good to be true comes along, and you know you will have to come to the party and say yes, and then try to work out how to make it happen. This year, I had the great privilege and honour to be invited by the organisers of the 7th Melanesian Arts and Culture Festival as a supporter and ally of literature in Vanuatu and Melanesia. I was asked to facilitate a short story masterclass and flash fiction workshops for adults and school students at the first ever House Storian Literary Festival in Port Vila, Vanuatu. Earlier this year, Vanuatu was hit by two devastating cyclones within the same week and the nation's financial resources were seriously strained, putting the Arts and Culture Festival at risk. Participants were asked to scout for funding from all possible sources. Yet, after years of pandemic isolation, it seemed more important than ever to manage to meet in person again and celebrate cultural and linguistic diversity. I am truly grateful to Access Radio Taranaki, the Commonwealth Foundation, who run the Commonwealth Short Story Prize competition every year, and the patron of the Pacific Arts for making my participation in this amazing five-day literary event possible. I interacted with over 100 people in my workshops alone. Receiving support at an early stage was crucial for me personally, and having the facilitators confirmed helped the organizers grow the first ever Haustorian literary event from two days to five. It branched out from workshops into kava and poetry evenings, poetry slams, seminars, events in French, English, and a diversity of Pacific languages. It was truly joyful. Enjoy a taste of the 7th Melanesian Arts and Culture Festival in Port Vila, Vanuatu, with some poetry readings at the end. Well, I'm here at the Melanesian Arts and Culture Festival in Port Vila, Vanuatu, and man, it is pumping in Saralana Park, and everyone is just waiting for President Macron to come on stage. And yeah, we've just had a symposium today, and everyone is celebrating culture, languages, and diversity of Melanesian culture. I'm 
here at uh, the Melanesian Arts and Culture Festival in Port Vila, Vanuatu. And this is an amazing occasion. It has been going for over a week. And as part of that, we also have the House Storian, which is the literary festival, a first ever five-day literary festival. And here I've found Lena Isna, who happens to be also um, a long-time New Zealand resident who studies in Otago at uh, the university and who's also a New Zealand Red Cross delegate. Hello, Lena. Hello, Michaela, and hello to your listeners. Hello to everybody, you, the, the listeners in Vanuatu as well as your global audience. Oh, yes, there is a bit of that. And the Taranaki audience. And it's so lovely to finally meet. So we have connected via email and this is actually the first time we meet in person and it's kind of strange that it happens to be in Vanuatu. It's so surreal, I tell <laughs> you, but I, I feel a lot of positive um, positive impact from having to meet uh, in my place, in my space, in my environment where I grew up, um, what I did most of my school, my education years, my early education years and, and just being part of the Vanuatu community in, in Port Vila and of course in Malakula as well. Yeah. Absolutely. And there's a bit of noise here because we are actually sitting in the outdoors um, behind the scenes area where some really handy women are washing up all the dishes that are being used inside the conference center. Very typical domestic women's work the behind-the-scenes stuff that is never seen, eh? That's right, yeah. A lot of the festival that we see now, that you see up the front, the success of the festival, there's a lot of behind-the-scenes the work that none of it is being talked about or even acknowledged in the public spaces as yet. Uh, we know they will be acknowledged, but it's towards the end of the festival that they will be acknowledged. But, you know, I think we need to shift some of those focuses to thanking people as, you know, as meetings go ahead or at the end of each session that there is time to actually thank the people behind the scenes that mm. make this occasion happen and especially for sessions for example the house story and uh, that's a big part of the festival for the first time mm. uh, we see the amazing work that uh, Rebecca Olu and uh, Anna Naupa um, and the team at uh, Allianz Francais have actually put together to uh, facilitate and and get you across an amazing writer in, oh. in your own in your own right in your own space to come on over and really um, be that critical mentor to us Vanuatu, me Vanuatu writers. We need that. Uh, too kind, too kind. But I have to say there's amazing momentum going on. And last night we had such a joyous Kava and literature session at Alliance Francaise. You were talking about your work and reading out a short story poem and there was a West Papuan poet, a New Caledonian poet, a storyteller from Papua New Guinea, uh, representative uh, Imelda Davies from the Australian South Sea Islanders, uh, the ones who were blackbirded and taken to Australia a couple of generations or more ago, and who have now kind of become this own recognized community in their own right. And Fiji, Vanuatu, Solomon Islands, yeah, it was amazing. And some new brave voices coming out as well, people being encouraged by others who have already got their work out there to make their voices heard too. 
That's right. And I think what was striking about last night was something that we see for the first time and, and being talked about, the mentoring. You know, it's something that's so critical that uh, we do not usually use or see in Vanuatu. But for the first time last night during one of the reading sessions in Poet, you know, Rebecca uh, was um, an instrumental mentor to one of the, the poets. Um, and, and what an amazing insight to see, uh, you know, us who are of a different generation mentoring the younger ones who are coming through. We need to see more of that. We need to, we need a lot of more older Ni Vanuatus who are experienced or who are not Ni Vanuatus, Melanesian writers, friends of Melanesia. You know, people like you guys who can um, actually impart your knowledge, your skills, your expertise to mentor our, our younger generations uh, of Ni Vanuatu writers coming through. Well, it's such a pleasure, but it's also so amazing to see the uptake. I mean, it's really heartening. So there was one session where a young man didn't know that his auntie, Jane Kanas, was part of the Sister Stand Up Strong Vanuatu Women's Anthology. And when I showed him, he went home that night and contacted his auntie, who's now in New Caledonia, and they connected. And she tweeted about it, and uh, I said to him, why not try to write poems with your auntie? Now, that would be groundbreaking. A young man and his older female you know, relative together collaborating, for example. But uh, there was also someone who's published, Anna Naupa, a very beautiful poem in also Sister Stand Up Strong, and then someone who's related to the same incident who as you mentioned, has been mentored by Rebecca Tobolol-Hossen. And Rebecca said, oh, this sounds familiar, and showed her the poem in Sister Stand Up Strong, and she has written a letter. So one is a niece to this older lady who disappeared, and one is the granddaughter of the older lady, and they two connected. So to have those kinds of stories that connect in unexpected ways and come together here in Port Vila, it's quite marvellous, actually. I think it's so empowering. Oh. It's so inspirational. Yeah. It's actually, it's groundbreaking. We've never had any collaborations like that. And I think as time changes, we're constantly seeing, we're, I think we're forging new pathways for us. We're, we're finding out that, hey, if we collaborate with somebody who is, uh, no matter what sex we are, we or gender we are, we can collaborate with somebody in the same headspace. We can actually, you know, the mindset. Mm. We could actually in, achieve some incredible pow and powerful writing that would be, uh, you know, passed on from one generation to the next, you know, let alone be, um, you know, scribbled and written down to be published. More importantly, to add to the Vanuatu literature. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No, amazing. Mm -hmm. So you have to tell uh, listeners a bit about um, how did you end up in New Zealand and Otago especially? So I, um, I grew up in Vanuatu in 1999, was uh, awarded an Aotearoa scholarship, which, these, um, which was the New Zealand uh, scholarship that was partially funded. So my father had to fund the other 50%. It was very hard for an agricultural farmer who was uh, living out in the rural communities of Vanuatu where we didn't have enough income. 
but he managed to actually scramble through and get me pay for all my airfares for three years. That was hard on a farmer. But he successfully did that. I went over to New Zealand to study nursing. Um, but more importantly, it was more to study midwifery at the Otago Polytech down in Dunedin. Oh, really? So, yes. And that was the secondary school scholarship, Polytechs and secondary? So it was more, it was university Tertiary. scholarship, yeah. that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, then you continued and became a New Zealand Red Cross delegate. That's right, yeah. So I finished my nursing and then I stayed over in New Zealand, made my home and had a, a community of friends and, uh, you know, strangers who I made as my family. And so they helped me settle. Um, I bought my house, you know, I, I made an income out of my house. Um, I'm able to service it to people now to, so they can rent it while I go and do further studies. But, yeah, that was my journey of having to actually become a, uh, a nurse in New Zealand. Um, and more importantly, I fitted on with my volunteering work. So mm. all my Red Cross work was through volunteering. Yep. So I was a refugee volunteer for New Zealand um, refugees coming through. Mm. I was that for about seven years. Yeah, I settled refugees, especially in Wellington. And New Zealand had a quota of 750 coming through annually. And so we needed to find them homes and resettle those refugees. Mm. And so, mm. yeah, they were usually big families and I knew what they were going through because I was going through basically something very similar, their issues of having to resettle in a new place, having to find, navigate the challenges, navigate uh, health challenges and, um, you know, services of uh, medicine, of um you know, banking, money, supermarket, food, um, everything. Mm. And so I felt like I could help people like that coming mm. into New Zealand because I had really gone through the system, what to do and where to get them or, you know, how to refer people on. Mm. So that was how I, um, you know, I went on and did international wet cross nursing. And that's been a very, very uh, big highlight for my career as well. And so, you've yeah. been more recently in Samoa for the measles outbreak. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So in 2020, I was part of the New Zealand Red Cross uh, team uh, that went over to Samoa and we were in, in Upolu, the big island, and we worked with a whole bunch of international organisations. Um, mm. The UN was there, but more importantly, our Pacific nations mm. came together. Mm. The health teams came together, mm. and we all uh, we all helped with the measles crisis. Mm. Uh, we had the uh, Finnish, the Finland team who came mm. over. Funny, but I love uh, this fact that uh, you know there might be many people out there who think that it's just a one-way system that New Zealand assists the Pacific nations or Vanuatu and so on. Here you've come across, you've trained, you've added to our much needed medical and nursing boost and you are part of New Zealand's delegation that goes back and you use your cultural knowledge and skills to kind of deliver culturally appropriate services too as part of a Pacific team on behalf of New Zealand, which is pretty amazing, Lena. Thank you. Well, I find that, um, I find that very rewarding. Uh, there's a lot of reciprocity, the values of reciprocity, family, uh, love and friendship, and just the care. 
yeah. the aroha that we yeah. give to the people of the Pacific, but not just the people of the Pacific. It's it's the wider Absolutely. world as well. That's yeah. so, or the wider Pacific region yeah. into the Asia. Yeah. So yeah, a, a lot of those countries, you know, do do need that love and that support mm. and and the healthcare and everything else that's associated with displacement and and having to you know uh, face a lot of. Uh, a lot of tribulations, yeah, um, hardship, yeah. not only financially exactly. but also emotionally. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. On that mm. note, we will take a break and listen to John Niras and Paranlatan, who is also one of our contributors to Sister Strong Vanuatu Women's Anthology, and she sings in her own Tanis language as well as French. Paranlatan with John Niras.
Welcome back to Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM. You are listening to the Sugarloafing Artscast. And this is a very unusual Artscast because I am in Vanuatu at the Melanesian Arts and Culture Festival and more specifically at the Haustorian Literary Festival, which is the first ever five-day literary festival that is happening on the fringes of the Arts and Culture Festival. And Vanuatu has been pumping. And here I run into a few people who have links to New Zealand in very many different ways. And with me is the wonderful Lena Isno, who is um, studying in Dunedin at the medical school. And uh, she also has a nurse degree and is one of the New Zealand Red Cross delegates delivering services for New Zealand out in the Pacific. And she's also a wonderful writer and a strong advocate for Bish Lama. Tell us about your advocacy for this uh, Bishlama Pilot Language Week, which we will have for the first time in New Zealand in November. What is the Bishlama Language Week? Thank you, Michaela, for having me on the program. I, I am just so grateful and so chuffed to be able to share uh, what the journey has been to achieving what we call a Bishlama Pilot Week. Now, the, the Melanesians we know are a group of uh, countries in the Pacific that are often overlooked in New Zealand. And it's only because there are very, uh, they're often the minorities in that Pacific group in comparison to where they come from in the Pacific. They're larger nations in the Pacific with at least 15 million people in population, rich, diverse natural re- resources um, and a whole bunch of, you know, just uh, the elements that come with it. Um, but also the linguistic diversity is so huge that as the amount of, uh, of recognised seasonal workers or often what we call RZ workers coming into New Zealand to work for the New Zealand government or in the viticulture sector, we're seeing the demand for Bislama, um, but not just Bislama. We're seeing uh, the need for talk pigeon and the pigeon in New Zealand. And it's only because there is a population rise of, of the Melanesian diaspora in New Zealand. But also, it is equally important that with our history with New Zealand, the, the World War II has to be acknowledged that the countries of Melanesia have played crucial roles to uh, making sure that the World War II, that campaign was successful. And it was because of these countries who have, sac- who have sacrificed a lot for the, for the World War II. So New we, Zealand was kept safe. Exactly, mm. yes. And so we need to recognise that. One way to recognise that is to actually acknowledge the culture of the diaspora in New Zealand. Mm. And Bislama came about because the Ministry for Pacific Peoples decided that it was going to actually put out a 100-page document of languages. And this happened and just last year or this, this year even? Was this happened in September last year yeah. or August last year. That was 2022. And so I got an email and with a 100-page document that came through. And I read that 100-page document. And I was so distraught by it because it had no Melanesian languages in there. 
let alone Fiji. Um, there was no mention of we will, um, in the future, we will uh, try and include the Melanesian languages. Nothing along the lines of acknowledging that Melanesia exists. Because New Zealand has um, traditionally been very focused on Polynesia and our biggest uh, group of uh, immigrants from the Pacific have come from Samoa. Correct. But now with the RSE working scheme, we have had over 10,000 Nivanuatu laborers alone come. And I don't even know that was a figure that is quite old right now. But, uh, you know, yeah, That's the right. Melanesian contingent and especially Vanuatu is huge and growing. That's right. So to date, uh, in, t in 2022, we've got, we've just, we've got over 42,000 wow. single individual visas that are only two specific to New Vanuatu people. So that's that's massive, um, knowing that we contribute quite a bit. But knowing also that our New Zealand services are not well set up to actually accommodate these people should they run into problems. Um, and so the document, back to the document, the language document, it really raised a lot of red flags for me. And um, so as a researcher, as somebody who reads a lot, as, as somebody who would advocate for those underrepresentative communities, um, I wanted to do something. And so it was time I acted. And, and boy, we acted. You know, I, I had to stick my neck out. I had to, I called on the minister. I called on the Minister for Pacific Peoples. Um, and I wanted an apology. I wanted him to to understand or to give us a reason as to why they didn't include us in the document, in the 100-page document mm. that has got a $20 million funding attached to wow. it. Wow. So did you get an explanation? I don't think you got an apology. but So we didn't get an apology, but we did. The minister responded through the, um, through the media yep. to say that the reason why they didn't uh, include the Melanesians was because they didn't, the Melanesians didn't come to the table. So I don't know whether our Melanesian communities knew about consultations. Uh, you know, the fact that we were recently, we recently had one of our Melanesian women awarded a recent Queen Service Medal. And that was enough to actually trigger. Who was that? So, Ms. Um, Gloria's Oxenam. Oh, yeah. Who's a Solomon Islander. Yeah. And so, it was enough to actually trigger those who work for the Ministry for Pacific People to to come back and, and say, you know, ask the Melanesian communities, how can we include you in this document? Um, Do you yes. think that um, the fact that there are so many people who are on the recognised seasonal employer program, so they don't live permanently in New Zealand, but they are there for a long time? Like you say, they need services. Sometimes they are like eight months at a time, and now during the pandemic, some people have stayed away from their families for years. And so the service need is there, and the need to connect and hear news, hear your own language. Yeah. That is correct, you know, and, and let me take us back one step to the very ground level. I am very busy, um, but I am often called to Bond to actually go to the hospital to provide translation services to the hospital because a patient has arrived who only speaks Baslama. You know, I'm often asked to actually go to the courts 
to act as a to act as a translator for the courts. I'm often working with the criminal defence lawyer to actually, you know, go into prisons to conduct interviews. The recent one to Afghanistan was in Christchurch, and that was two weeks, three weeks ago, that I had to do. And so those are those are critical services that we need to to consider. And and how do we consider that in terms of the culture of the people that we're serving? First of all, we need to communicate with them, and, and communication is through language. The basic necessity for having to actually deliver effective care to anybody is understand their language, understand their culture, so you can deliver. And Baslama Pilot came about because we had to push for this. The representation was very minimal, and, and this was a critical need that needs to be addressed. And, and so we persisted with it. So I chaired the National Melanesian Steering Committee in New Zealand, and that those are the countries of um, New Caledonia, West Papua, uh, Solomon Islands, Papua New Guinea, Fiji, Vanuatu, and of course our South Sea Islanders, you know, the Torres Strait. This are our Melanesian group, and we work together, and, and we band together to actually really do our advocacy work, and we have been successful with it. Amazing, Leila. This is so interesting, but it's also like really shifting the ground from what you think you know maybe about the Pacifica community in New Zealand, and it's not just Samoans and uh, Cook Islanders and the Polynesian family, but we also have a huge Melanesian family that is growing and also needs help, and yeah, amazing work you're doing. We are going to take another music break and uh, let's listen to Nile. Say yo, no granny and me bamra 
Welcome back to Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM. You are listening to the Sugarloafing Artscast and I'm your host, Michaela Nyman. We are grateful for the sponsorship by Govet Brewster Art Gallery and Lendai Center for this show. And I'm at the Melanesian Arts and Culture Festival in Port Vila, Vanuatu, and it has been amazing. And for the first time ever, we are having a five-day literary festival called Haustorian, which, yes, as the name implicates, it's actually storytelling in all its forms and storytelling in the many, many languages that uh, the Melanesian family actually has. I think we counted last night, was it 2,500 languages across Melanesia? Just think about that diversity. And in Vanuatu alone, it's a hundred, over a hundred languages. And you speak quite a few languages, Lena. So I'm here with Lena Isno, who lives in New Zealand in Dunedin, but very much has um, strong contacts back to her roots in Vanuatu, in Malikula, to languages, and who works really as an advocate and supporter and service facilitator and I don't know, so many other things you do for the Melanesian community in New Zealand. So what can we see during the um, Bishlama Pilot Language Week? What will happen in New Zealand? And do you have any messages you want to say, both English and Bishlama, maybe? Yeah, so um, thank you, Michaela, for having me. And, you know, once again, greetings to your listeners, those who are joining and those who are just, um, yeah, coming on to, to listen to the interviews. So the Bishlama Pilot Week will be an important week for uh, addressing the Vanuatu culture in New Zealand for the first time ever. And that means that for a whole week, we focus on, you know, having to to talk the Bislama languages in the many different range of activities that we would normally do in Vanuatu. Uh, so we carry that over to our uh, context of in New Zealand. So, for example, on a, on a weekday or a Monday, uh, a specific region would focus on having to do custom stories, tell custom stories, and they would. Uh, tell custom stories in Bislama. Um, you know, and another region would focus on doing traditional medicines. Those are important, uh, important part of the cultures of Vanuatu that we do. But they would conduct the herbal medicines and the recipes in Bislama. They can choose to actually uh, do uh, a church service, conduct a church service in Bislama on a Sunday and invite you know, friends and, and those uh, of the other communities to come join them. You know, and other communities or other regions, for example, Dunedin is very focused on research um, and knowledge, um, and so their program is specifically focused on getting researchers who have done a lot of research work in Vanuatu to actually come and talk for an hour about their research on anything about Vanuatu just to showcase the diversity, the culture, the, you know, the research findings, etc. Wow. Um, and will that be somehow streamed or available online so regions who are not maybe having so many in Vanuatu can also tap into that? Correct, yes. So um, what the programs are still being finalised at the moment, but yes, um, each day we'll have a Zoom link 
that uh, you know our regional communities as well as the international audience can actually uh, zoom in, link in, and be able to participate and ask questions about the researchers, uh, you know, specific to culture, you know, to the cultures of Vanuatu, you know, to plan uh, to give you an idea of what we have in plan for the Dunedin program. Uh, we've got, um, you know, we've got an ecologist talking about that the conservation work on Espiritu Santo. Uh, we've got the Lapita pottery uh, that uh, has been an archaeological, significant archaeological site. Part of the um, world heritage. Absolutely, mm. yeah. Um, you know, you've got people like me who are going to be talking about the international work of Red Cross that I have been doing uh, internationally. Uh, we've got the church groups who have done a lot of work uh, in the different islands of Vanuatu to become part of that Baslamo Pilot Week as well. So, and we've also got the um, the Return Services Association, you know, from you know the military ones who will be talking about the um, the World War Two in Vanuatu. So this are uh, a knowledge based programs that Dunedin will be focusing on. We've even wanted to hire a, a fishing boat so we can get people to actually come on board and talk of, and go fishing and talk Bislana and talk about climate change and marine uh, and marine sciences. Oh, oh, I wish I could come there. But we're also going to run a few things on Access Radio in Taranaki. And if there's anything we can do to get um, a few Bishlama snippets and interviews and programs on air, we'd be happy to help out with that. Do you have any message in Bishlama for your listeners too? Yeah, thank you, Michaela. Um, law or listeners for Yumi Law Law Vanuatu, uh, where Yumi Staple New Zealand, uh, especially law in different regions. Me want and tell them thank you to us, where you have given time for you, for you come, for you celebrate them one week for you, where everyone in New Zealand too, by only joining you, for only look have a culture for you. So me want them advice from you. Also, my neighbor want to me want to encourage you. Also, my neighbor want to block come with them one thing thing no more. Come with them all artifacts. Come with them culture blue you. Come with them savvy blue you. After you share them, uh, one them where you got with them one narfala kiwi, one narfala New Zealander, one Westerner where he me really got interest. Blue culture blue you me. He me he me one first trial blue you me. Whereby Ministry of Pacific People or New Zealand, by him support them, you me with them. By time time me stop go, by you me stop lo um, you me cement him, you me make him see him become strong more, my him more him become official. Law 2026. Him now message lo me go lo all New Zealanders with them all narrow one way only all friends lo you me lo Vanuatu lo New Zealand more way only stop lo Vanuatu more lo overseas too. Thank you, Thomas. No, it's straight. The language week is November. So the language week for Baslama, mm -hmm. the, the Baslama pilot language week, will start Sunday, the 12th of November, and it will finish Saturday, the 18th of November, 2023. It will only be for one week. And where can people find out more online? So online, you can uh, head to the Ministry of Pacific Peoples website which is www.mpp.govt.nz. Right. 
Okay, we better go and hear the final talks and enjoy some dancing and maybe Fest Napuan has kicked off with music as well galore. So this is wonderful. Thank you so much, Lena, and thank you for all you do and uh, to all Nivanuatu in New Zealand. You have a great advocate and spokesperson in Lena Isnoin Daniden. <laughs> Thank you, Tomas Michaela. Me really appreciate and uh, help you and support you just as, as a platform to really get our voices out there. We, we, we need the support. Uh, we need the, the, the bond, the unity. Uh, we need to be uh, seen as one to actually put our cultures and languages forward Absolutely. for the betterment of our, our next generations. Yes. Thank you, Tomas. Thank you, Tomas. We will close with a snapshot from one of the House Story and Poetry Nights at Alliance Francaise in Port Vila, with Lena Isno reading her microfiction piece, Where the Flashing Fireflies Flutter, in English and Bishlama. Lena's microfiction will be published in Hemoana Oreo, Ocean of Languages, a New Zealand anthology of microfiction. It's the first book from At the Bay, Ite Kokoro, in partnership with Ad Hoc Fiction. Lena's reading is followed by Anna Naupa reading part of her poem about the incident we discuss in the podcast about her elderly relative who one day simply disappeared and they have still not found her. And finally... Catherine Malosu Lessa's experience of studying in Christchurch, being separated from her children, and being caught up in the Christchurch mosque shootings in 2019. Anna's and Catherine's poems were both published in Sister Stand Up Strong, a Vanuatu women's anthology published by Teheranga Waka Press in 2021. Enjoy. Where the flashing fireflies flutter. I watched where the flashing fireflies flutter in the mangrove swarms in our Tesuri Lagoon in Vanuatu. It was one of my favourite childhood memories and adventures. Dad reminded me the mangrove swamps are important trees in this drastic climate change environment. When the flashing fireflies flutter in the mangrove swamps, the marine worms are fertile, and the lagoon conditions are perfect to support the magic and growth of life, both above and below the lagoon. In my Ninde language, repuo means to start birthing. Our traditional nativity stories begin, excitement built. And I translated that into Bislana as well. Place more time where all fly block color light or litanies. Mr. Pingo Takikin, time se mistap look all fly blonde color light or litanies lo on laton tong blomifala lo tisri lagun, lo vanuati. Hemi one lo on number one memory blomin, time is more. Papa Hemi Palam no me, Takikin se on laton tongia. Only making big color walk the side for protecting you, me, everyone, against some climate change. I'm all fly blown all color light, only come tannies inside law on Natomton. Hemi time two blow all fish, more all pigeon, only come together, blow making picking in. Your language blown in there, 
Rekwal, Hemi Milin Seni Falalat, Hemi Start Kama. All story and block Christmas too is start. More everyone is glad. Thank you too much. to the edge, but what edge, we didn't know. A cry rose, a swelling in the chest, when we realised that this was not just another day. This was not a disappearance to forget. They searched for days and days, neighbouring villages helping out. The rain beat down relentlessly, the southern winter chill settled each night. How can an elderly woman with weak knees survive these elements? Questions were asked, blame laid in every direction, reported to the police, the VMF. Stubborn conviction of hope. No, we will find her and bring her home. But how do you find someone across miles of rugged bush in torrential rain? How do you find someone who has taken a childhood past remembered that may exist no more? Speculation rife, fingers pointed, hope fading, an airing of fears. It's the devil. It's payback for that land dispute. It's the rapture. Imagine stories presented as fact to cope with uncertainty. It's always those of us left behind who are sentenced to living with speculation until she returns in whatever form. Christchurch, 2019. Just a quick background to this poem. I wrote it at a time when I was in Christchurch um, between January and May. 2019, I went to do my postgrad study, and that poem basically summarizes my experience and how there was a, a particular event that triggered the writing um, that prompted me to write this poem. After I wrote it, I stashed it, I, I, I hid it away because it was quite deep, and I, whenever I read it, it, it would remind me of my son. So, the event that actually triggered poem that got me to actually write this poem was um, the mosque shooting in March um, 2019. That really, it really sent me home. It really touched me so deep, hence this poem. So I'll read it as it is. Christchurch, 2019. So here it goes. I felt like a runaway bride. Time gleefully prances on. It didn't have the eyes to see or wait at least, for all the hugs I had to give. And the wheels drop, screeching, I breathe. A terror, the cold pinches my nose. A greeting from the Alps. My children, my heartbeat, are still not here. Immigration doors seem to be shutting slowly. Stress escalating. It is fun to build a tower. How long can I endure this separation so unfair? Dark clouds fill the city. 
don't know what it means. It doesn't happen in my country. I saw a young Muslim man. He looked like my son. I wept silently in front of my computer as they lay him down to sleep. I felt a sharp pain. It shocked me, a thief. My strength walked away, left me lonely, helpless. Even water disliked me. My arms became pincushions. I piped went down my stomach. The bed at the theater was almost ready. Too soon to leave again. Circumstances dictate. But assurance of my return was given. So grateful for the relationships. It is temporary. I shall return. My papers are kept safely. And the wheels tuck in. And the grace of God in flight. I arrive at my bosom home. Oh, the smile on my daughter's face. It was magic from afar. It healed my spirit so quickly. I didn't need another day. Thank you. It is pumping in Saralana Park and everyone is just waiting for President Macron to come on stage. And yeah, everyone is celebrating culture, languages and diversity of Melanesian culture. But today hit me one at a long story, long journey, long time, what You me cousin, 40 years long work about long wilderness, wilderness. Long got you me stand up, long got you me free. Maxim Kalu Kurman says for her barak sobe, it would not happen. Hamlin is a tokilman, 
so not to man. Mr. Salo, Salway, whole people, wrong fan, Uatu, Italian, thank you to mass. Oh, thank you to mass. Long got you, me stand up. Long got you, me free. Long got you, me come. One nation. Tuning in to this week's episode of the Sugarloafing Arts Cast on 104.4 FM. My name is Michaela Nyman, and you can contact me with feedback and ideas for shows at Access Radio Taranaki or email me on community at accessradiotaranaki.com. You can check out the artists, guests, and their fabulous work on our Sugarloafing Facebook page and Instagram. To listen to previous episodes of the show, go to accessradiotaranaki.com and search us up under current shows. The Sugarloafing Artscast was made possible with the support of Govet Brewster Art Gallery and the Len Lai Center. Until next week.
This show was made at Access Radio Taranaki with help from New Zealand On Air. To find more local content, go to www.accessradiotaranaki.com.